Thank you, Zoom, for letting me know you are now recording. This is the Hacker Noon podcast. I am David Smook from Hacker Noon, and today I'm with the reliable and insightful Amy and Utsav. Hello. Ooh, reliable. I like that. Afternoon podcast. No, no, you're that's on me. That's <laughs> oh, that's I'm insightful. Yeah. Okay, uh-huh. that makes actually that makes a lot of sense. Also, my mic recording cord is broken, so I apologize in advance for my lack of reliability as the leader of Hacker Noon. But today we're going to get into some articles from around the internet because it's this week on Planet Internet, and our first article has many contributors. It's on a site we've been personally deleted from because of some sort of different vested interest, and it's called Wikipedia. And the first site we're gonna, first entry on Wikipedia is Media Conglomerate. And I will read what they define this as. A media group, a media conglomerate, media group, or media institution is a company that owns numerous companies involved in mass media enterprises such as television, radio, publishing, motion pictures, theme parks, or the internet. According to the magazine, The Nation, media conglomerates strive for policies that facilitate their control of markets around the world. So media controls markets is the undertone here. To define the term, they picked an interesting quote. I don't know how they settle on what quote defines it. And we're reading it on Wikipedia, which has many arms in and of itself. Wikimedia, Wikipedia, which I would argue is also a media conglomerate. The last email I got from them was from a priest saying Hacker Noon isn't notable. So (laughs) terminology. A conglomerate is a large company composed of a number of smaller companies engaged in generally unrelated business. So that's a little bit of a stretch on the unrelated, but who knows? Unrelated to who? (laughs) (laughs) Usually when you um, own a company, there's some relation to the other companies that it owns that has some sort of competitive overlap. Related to the general naive public. Yes, but still, people still have to, to tell a certain average people that Instagram's owned by Facebook, WhatsApp's owned by Facebook. Like the outage last week, the paranoid people were like, oh, this is just Facebook reminding everyone how important they are to their daily lives and reminding how much of the internet they own. Oh, let's just go down for six hours so everyone talks about how important we are to all of our day-to-day operations and basic human, I think, essential functions like messaging around Mm -hmm. the world. I think competition is good, but growth is also good. And the word synergy is important to something to do with corporations. So what do you guys think the media, how are media conglomerates shaping the content we see in our daily lives? To me, the word conglomerate is like the key, right? Because it's like the mass enterprises, the big boys that are doing the conquering of the world in terms of the media. And yeah, I think that a lot of the, a lot of times when these conglomerates get more and more power, they think that they can do anything and control the way that the media is and they're right so (laughs) it's a scary world out there so i guess what this article doesn't go into is the concept of transfer pricing so what happens is let's say that i create something which is worth a hundred dollars to me 
And because like I work at Hackathon, I'm like, David, could you buy it off me for a thousand dollars? You said, yeah, why not? And you get a thousand dollar tax, tax like write off, which is why like whenever some organization starts to get bigger, they start creating these subsidiaries and like in time they become these conglomerates. So I guess like what this definition should have to differentiate between how it is a large organization compared to a conglomerate itself should be like something along along the lines of what transfer pricing or like what could be in there without mm. that i don't think it makes sense and they are like according to this magazine the nation like were they paid by it it's a very vagueish definition which they chose to pick or uh, put at the top of the page along with the backlink mm. don't know why but yeah to read it again it is Media conglomerates strive for policies that facilitate their control of markets around the world. It's interesting because they're positioning it as the point of the conglomerate is to actually move the market as the point of the conglomerate is to take over the media. So that's an interesting position. Yeah. Like to get bigger, it has to then grow a, a, an unrelated market to be a conglomerate. I think to be yeah. a conglomerate, it could just grow more media industry. If Facebook bought Twitter, they own more of the social media discussion. And is that really selling like policies that control other markets? With social media, probably, but it's not. The definition just feels a little, I don't know. I don't yeah. quite understand why it's positioning the control of other markets as what a conglomerate's primary job is, as opposed to, like, I think at a base level, it just means many businesses owned by one business, which could be for any reason to impact any market or just to reduce competition and not even go after another market, just to have a larger market share of the same thing. But I think it's definitely an, the undertones are bad, right? Conglomerate, yeah. Feels Conglomerate bad striving for policies to facilitate control. Like... Could you imagine if the Wikipedia donation came down and we're like, we need support for our media conglomerate. Wikimedia and our army of unpaid volunteers aren't doing well. You need to donate to our conglomerate so that we can be the best encyclopedia in the world. It's like the same <laughs> function as what's happening now, but it's just calling it a conglomerate, which would yeah. be like, it would just hurt. It wouldn't work as well. Yeah. Yeah. It's a the dirty word. Yeah. Do you guys have any favorite dirty words? I have like sinful words. Man. Like the editor in me is still hung up over the word usage of the word strive. Like, how do they like say that it's like they are striving for it? Is it in their vision documents, their mission documents? Are there board meetings about striving for policies to control the world? They <laughs> 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 defined it. <laughs> Apparently, it's worthy enough to be at the top of a Wikipedia page, so yeah. Yeah, Strive, once you can follow Strive with almost anything. It's Aspire is the Aspire. one that's similar to me. Mm. Yes, are you actively doing it or is it just this daydream you had and you're, you're just aspiring towards it? Like whenever you're just wandering. Oh my God. What about you, Amy? Any words you're trying to cut from your vocabulary? Not off the top of my head, honestly. I'm, well, maybe like, I'm trying to cut out all of like the pandemic COVID-y words from my any kind of like writing because I just like, I'm over it. I know what you mean. New normal. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Great New reset. normal. Any kind of pandemic content. Oh, I hope uh, anything about like technology happy. advancing in the time of the pandemic. Like I'm over it. <laughs> and that's what the media conglomerate wants you to think. <laughs>
So let's move to one of our favorite media conglomerates, Forbes. And I will read this new headline from Forbes.com, August 26, 10,315 views. Forbes to become public company through business combination. That's a new one. Through business combination. So they're combining businesses like a conglomerate. Forbes to become a public company through business combination with special purpose acquisition company Magnum Opus. Author, Forbes press release, name, Forbes staff, tag, leadership. Here are the kind of the high level here that about how Forbes is going public. The company has secured an additional 400 million via pipe that includes funds and accounts managed by top tier investors. Uh, leadership team to remain there and Forbes to remain as the front and center name. We've talked some about these special interests going public groups before, but I will read the CEO's statement on the subject. Leveraging our iconic global brand, Forbes has been executing a data-led platform strategy and is fast becoming the gateway for deep breath. Businesses, entrepreneurs, and customers to join the conversation and participate in trends that are shaping the world today. First sentence over. Second sentence. With this transition into a publicly traded company, Forbes will have the capital to accelerate growth by executing its differentiated content and platform strategy and fully realize the potential of our iconic brand. Whew. Okay, Atsav, what are your thoughts on this uh, Forbes going public situation? So they very like skillfully use the word like what special purpose acquisition company. You must have heard about the abbreviation that they use. It's called a SPAC. Like all of these like Silicon VC guys, they are like setting up SPACs or whatnot. And a SPAC is basically a blank check company or what you would call Shell Corporation. And again, Shell has all of these negative connotations. Yeah, the headline wouldn't look as good if they said to become public via <laughs> Shell Corporation. Exactly. <laughs> strong branding. It's a special interest. They just keep adding words in there. It's like special purpose acquisition company. Like call it a SPAC, oh, everybody call it a SPAC. Okay, I get it yeah. now. <laughs> Why do we have yeah. to use this like convoluted language to describe everything, especially in law? Cautionary, you want to see the cautionary statement regarding for, forward-looking statements? It's longer than the article. <laughs> It's, it's like it's massive. It's one paragraph, so it's harder to read by design. It's yeah. written skip by design. In some cases, I'll just read an excerpt. We don't have time to read the whole thing. This podcast will get super boring. <laughs> In some cases, you should identify forward-looking statements by the following words. So if you see these words, that means the whole statement is forward-looking and you should roll it out for any future <laughs> investment. Individual yeah. words. May, will, could, would, should, expect, intend, Planned, anticipate, believe, estimate, predict, project, potential, continue, ongoing, target, seek, and the. I only added the. All the other ones are real. And the negative or plural of all of these words. <laughs> Just to clarify. Oh, wait, one more. Four similar expressions that are predictions to indicate future events or prospects, although not all forward-looking statements contain these words. So you can also make a forward-looking statement without may, will, could, should, would, expect, intend, plan, anticipate, believe, estimate, predict, project, potential, continue ongoing, target, and seek. $145 million and they use that template. I mean, come on, hire a lawyer. <laughs> so 
to break this down, Asab, you're telling me that the SPAC, Special Purpose Acquisition Company, is just a shell corporation that they've made up. So Magnus, Magnum Opus is like just a new corporation that they spun up just so that these people can acquire Forbes. Or exactly. Forbes. Yeah, so it was a shell corporation that was probably... Okay, then who owns yeah. Magnum Opus? It could be Forbes, like, although, like, corporations can own other corporations so like it could be layers of shells think of the panama papers or the more recently pandora papers so it could be layers of shells i probably wouldn't know or rather don't know the answer to that but yeah mm-hmm. this shell corporation was set up listed on at least one exchange for the express purpose of buying out forbes the standard is like 20 percent of the ownership is given out and mm. they pretty much were like okay Forbes probably had 145 million lying somewhere and they were like yeah let's use that for 20 percent and now the company valuation just got more more like inflated or whatnot private placement of ordinary shares like see oh. it's a private placement so right? they do it so that they can increase their value of their company Exactly. Like imagine if Hakanoon had only five, like it would be five of us. And they, and like I could say, David, would you buy my share for $1,000? Uh, so let like me read some of the, the excerpt here. It's the transaction is expected to raise $600 million of gross proceeds consisting of the contribution of approximately $200 million in cash held in the Maxim Opus SPAC, assuming no redemptions by public shareholders and $400 million of additional capital through a private placement of ordinary shares of the new combined company priced at $10 per share. Assuming no redemptions by the public shareholders of Maxim Magnum Opus, Forbes shareholders will own approximately 22% of the new combined company at closing. Forbes will be capitalized with $145 million in cash. Private basically means that Nobody else can invest unless you are what is called a qualified investor. So I cannot buy that even if it says $10. It is going to be a very close set of people who own it. I see. Interesting. Seems fishy. Oh, yeah. Seems shady. 10,000 views. It's every day Forbes has a story with more than 10,000 views. It doesn't seem like they exactly wanted a lot of people. Want people to know. Yeah, it seems shady. I want to know who owns Magnum Opus. Like, why did they do this? Oh, here, L2 Capital. Who owns L2 Capital, the private investment firm? When was L2 Capital set up? Anyway, let's move on to a list of the 15 largest media conglomerates in the United States. I will read this list. This is uh, according to Zipia, a site we've never heard of, but ranks high in Google for this search result. The 2001-based revenue for and audience size, I don't know how they rank by both at the same time. That seems like competing numbers that they should probably have two separate lists for. But who am I to argue with Zipia, the career expert? Number one, AT&T. Number two, Facebook. Number three, Walt Disney. Number four, Comcast. Five, Warner Media. Six, Fox. Seven, Viacom. Eight, Netflix. Nine, Hearst. Ten, News Corp. Eleven, Nexstar. 
12 iHeartMedia and 13 Gannett. So that's the list, AT&T still up there. I don't know how this list doesn't consider Alphabet, Google, a media company. I mean, they own the discovery experience of searching for stuff on the internet, but who am I to say if what you're searching for is media or not? Anyway, this is a list. What surprises you about this? I don't know. I would have thought that the Disney company would have ranked higher. It's number three. But they own, I guess maybe they probably took a hit like in-person things, but they own the Disney Pictures, the Animation Studios, Pixar, Marvel, uh, Disney Plus, ESPN. So I would have thought that they would have had a higher ranking. Yeah, and the article says 2021 at the top, but then for revenue, they start they cite 2019. Not the it's best. It doesn't have Disney Plus revenue channel, which is like, mm, what is it, 7 million people one. paying $10 a month? It's a pretty yeah. solid <laughs> um, <Yeah. laughs> expansion in there. What's like Hearst Media? I never heard of them. They own a bunch of companies. Let's take a look at their short list of what Hearst owns. Whoops. What number were they? Above these, like Gannett. Cosmopolitan, Oprah. Okay. No wonder I didn't know about these. <laughs> yeah, this seems like something more for me. <laughs> you have been following the Good Housekeeping Empire. And the, yeah. <laughs> it's real. Esquire. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Midland Daily News. Oh, wait, hold on. This company also owns A&E Networks in a 50-50 split with the Walt Disney Company. Interesting. So according to this, they own 360 companies. So pretty solid diversification. Big conglomerate. But they're all in media. So according to the Wikipedia definition of owning all these media companies, how are they using these companies to facilitate their control of the markets around the world? And so how are they generally unrelated businesses? <laughs> <laughs> they are skyrim. <laughs> But the Oprah magazine targets different people than Elle. No, they're different because Oprah targets them at a different time of day. Yes. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yes. Yes. So by then they're like a different human with different. Yes. Yes. So. I only read Oprah in the morning, and then I'd read Elle in the evenings. <laughs> I guess it's it could, the argument could get more interesting when you get into local news, because they're then they're providing like the same business service, but they're doing it in a different market, which is you learn stuff about infrastructure and distribution, how to scale printing, how to scale papers, how to scale hosting, how to have a newsroom. So there's like some overlapping there and then, but they reach very different people because it's mostly local people. I think that was like the old way to do a conglomerate of all local news stuff. Let's look at Fox here. I think Fox owns a ton of local news. So they really, they put the list as Fox Broadcasting, Fox TV, Fox News. But is Fox not mostly owned by Disney as well? well yes, the majority of the stock was acquired by the Walt Disney Company. Yeah. This is why it's doesn't massive. Disney just own everybody? <laughs> this is crazy. Mickey Mouse, yeah. <laughs> like Mickey Mouse is taking over the world. Yeah. There are these episodes on South Park when, like, whenever they want to parody Walt Disney, they show a picture of Mickey Mouse coming out and, like, kicking people around. Oh, yeah. Mickey Mouse in South Park is definitely worth the time. <laughs> Interesting either party. Um, have you guys heard any update on Walt Disney's cryogenic chamber lately? It's no. article 95. My gosh. 
Disney arranged to have himself frozen in a cryogenic chamber full of liquid nitrogen upon his death. Have you heard? Has he woken up? Is he back? I, I don't think so. Oh, I love these pop-ups on Snoops. They're so refreshing. Which one should I click on? What do you think? Should I go with the big overlay video or should I go with the connect my wallet or else? <laughs> I think I'm going to go with the X out of the site now. Yeah. Yeah. All right, let's look at another Wikipedia article since we're a little confused who owns what. Mm. Um, this one's called The Concentration of Media Ownership. The concentration of media ownership, also known as medium consolidation or media convergence, is a process whereby progressively fewer individuals or organizations control increasing shares of the mass media. Contemporary research demonstrates increasing levels of consolidation with many media industries already highly concentrated and dominated by a very small number of firms. Globally, large media conglomerates include a list here that's similar to the list we had before. And then they say, as of 2020, the largest ones similar to our source, Comcast, Walt Disney, AD&T, Viacom. As per, <laughs> As per Forbes. <laughs> <laughs> Citation needed. <laughs> Classic wiki. Yeah. Yeah. I love how, like, the definition of it is like fewer individuals, more share. <laughs> great, great. Just what we love. I do like that they lead the definition with basically this is bad for competition, mm -hmm. saying it without saying it. If there's one player in the market, it's obviously very easy to win. You don't have to do any, you can literally do anything and you win. As, some, as someone gets good, it makes sense to overpay for them when they're young than it does to let them grow and become better. So there's yes. a lot of anti-competitive behaviors in media and that there's the reason this Wikipedia article exists. It's, it's enough of a thing that like, all right, let's look about how this affects competition. What well, do you guys think? Are there solutions to this or is this just how capitalism works and it's once there's a price that they want to sell their company for they just do it and the consumer lives with the results let me defend capitalism <laughs> coming in hot in a purely capitalist world there is absolute competition there is no concentration of media ownership and like which is why they have terms such as deregulation coming in here out there but yeah, the real world is neither purely capitalistic or neither, neither is it purely communistic or socialistic or whatever of the like ISTICs. So I guess like we are like, that's my defense of uh, capitalism. Let's I don't know if we have a communism specialist <laughs> in house right now. <laughs> I think it's called community manager, right? Aren't community manager, the new communist. Oh, I, I, didn't, I didn't quite buy your definition of defending the capitalist market there. Okay, here's the problem. If I if we go to play a poker game and I have a million dollars and you have $10, I don't need better cards. I just don't need mm -hmm. better cards. The, the, the blinds will get you. You'll have to play. I can just make you go all in 20 times in a row. And by the end of it, I have all of your money. So... That, that's what these conglomerates are. They don't need a better product. They can just come in, buy the existing product, and then let it die out or let it grow. Or And I like so capitalism. I'm just saying this. I didn't quite buy the comparison there. Um, okay. Let's like hear it from you. Well, I was just going to ask David, as a owner of a media publishing company, if you were to be 
offered by Disney, would you sell out? Or are we continuing the dream of disrupting the internet forever until we take over Disney? My first question to Walt would be, how did you cryogenically freeze your body? Yes. How did you wake up? And if you're offering to buy my company and you're not letting me meet Walt, I'm not in on the secret yet. I'm not in the conglomerate and your money is more of a- Take me to Club 33 directly. Yeah, I'm looking for someone to come in hot with some real secrets of the world. I don't even, it's those insights that I need. How does this thing actually work? Oh, so that's what you're interested Uh in more so than the money. We need those secrets to life. Okay. I'm here for it. Okay. What next? (laughs) Media pluralism. The concentration of media ownership is commonly regarded as one of the crucial aspects reducing media pluralism. A highly concentration, a high concentration of the media market increases the chances to reduce the plurality of political, cultural, and social points of view. Even if ownership of media is one of the main concerns when it comes to assessing pluralism, the concept is broader as it touches many access from merger control rules to editorial freedom the status of public service broadcasters, the working conditions of journalists, the relationships between media and politics. So essentially, do you have free speech? Does your publication have free speech? There's no, I don't think there is such thing as true, true free speech. It's you could say whatever you want, but there will be consequences to all of it. (laughs) If anyone's listening, which if they're not, there's consequences to that too. If you're like going insane, talking to yourself on the internet. Yeah. It's a nice like concept about like pluralism and then they like in the second paragraph it has a two-fold dimension instead of the word like multifold dimension, but I digress. It can pose serious challenges to pluralism. Yeah. Makes sense. Determinants. We need to have more competition like that, I guess every side of the aisle agrees upon. It's more of like is it my guy at the top or is it yours? Which I guess makes all of the difference. Yeah. Where are you guys getting your news lately? I get my news from Instagram, like a proper millennial. And sorry, I, um, let me clarify. I only get my news from Hacker Noon's Instagram account. That's my <laughs> I thought you were going to say 4chan. No. And also, in Canada, they have these sign like mm, media signs everywhere that have l- news on them, like from global news or whatever the source is. But when you go into the elevators and stuff, or you're just like walking around, sometimes I'll get pick up headlines from that as well. Nice. I have a joke about it, but I will let it go. <laughs> okay, great, great, great. <laughs> Where are you picking up your news in India? So I get my news like primarily from Twitter. And if it is like something that I really want to know about, I try to find some thought leader on that and say, hey, do you want to be on the Academic Podcast? They usually agree and I talk to them about what I want to know about and that helps. But like these are very domain specific information. I know I'm totally for anyone creating a podcast just to meet the people they want to meet. exactly (laughs) works it's a good way to do it if you're considering it i i highly recommend going for it yeah Yeah. 10 out of 10 and these are like what i would call domain specific news like related to blockchain or crypto or whatnot if it's the general news about politics or the world over 
I just zoned out of it all two years ago. I don't get any offense. Problems in South Sudan, like, gonna be politically incorrect, but right now I don't care. Ah, okay, okay. You only had 10 minutes to read the daily news. Would you pick 50 headlines or the one top story of the day? Ooh, 50 headlines. It would be 50 headlines for me as well. Well, it would be fun. In practice, it's 50 headlines for everybody because no one reads any stories. Exactly. <laughs> true, 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 true. Yes, as I'm only picking up the headlines from the TV. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's okay. get to a full story here on the site, hackernoon.com. Ooh. It's called How to Explain NFTs to People Who Think They're Just JPEGs. Feature image note no, an NFT is not a JPEG. But is it? <laughs> it could be a PNG. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I will read here an excerpt. A common error that people make when trying to explain NFTs to those outside the trading spaces that they fall, that they fail to elaborate on what an NFT actually is. I did that actually voice to that's my italics voice. Actually. You've likely heard them equated to digital baseball cards, which while that isn't a terrible argument to make while discussing the hobby of collecting NFTs, it fails to make clear what the difference is between purchasing one and just having a JPEG, saving a JPEG. A non-fungible token is exactly that, a token. Similar to a Bitcoin token or an Ethereum token, an NFT is completely impossible to duplicate. These tokens, however, come tethered to external media, such as JPEGs, tickets, documentation itself. The important point they're trying to make, the media itself is not the NFT, and that is something that most people seem to miss. Now, Utsav, as someone who has posted many memes comparing the JPEG and the NFT, and yourself. Right. So the way I see it is like I have this very wonderful like video by Gary Vaynerchuk, and who, what he said was that you might think that NFTs are just JPEGs, but imagine the value that uh, Twitter's blue check mark has, or as like for those of you on Hackernoon, the verified writer account that you have, or that verified writer check mark that you have in front of your profile picture. That has an intangible benefit just because a story is by a verified writer, you take it more seriously. And an and NFT is like that when you hold something that probably is not tangible in the physical sense of how they use a baseball, a baseball card. But it makes a lot of sense for people who understand the value that a verified checkmark has. So that is like in defense of the people who say that NFTs are not JPEGs. But if you ask me personally, NFTs are just JPEGs, right? They aren't like anything more than that. Yes, they are a token of sorts, but on a very technical level, you cannot call a Bitcoin a token. It's a coin, like we make this, if it is based mm. on a blockchain, a Bitcoin is a coin, Ethereum is a coin, and all of the others are like what you would call tokens. So it's an apples to oranges comparison, but yeah, yeah it, it goes both ways. There was this meme where it says like people with IQs under like 50, they say that NFTs are just JPEGs. And then people with IQs from 51 to, let's say, 130, they say NFTs are not JPEGs and they are so and so and so. 
And then at the other end, people with IQs over 130, even they say that, that NFTs are just JPEGs. So <laughs> the ADHD and the very smart people have the same thing to They're say. They're all saying, But the yeah. majority have a very like different thing to say. So yeah, we live, we live. I could never understand why people pay thousands of dollars for a comic book to have it in what is called a mint condition. Yeah. If you aren't reading it, why are you collecting? It's just holding the way I see it. But yeah. People are people, like, they buy paintings. (laughs) So you see it really more as a collector's item than a token, like a blockchain token. Yeah, it doesn't have to be a blockchain token. It's more of an ownership thing, but Mm -hmm. it's more like now I make it transparent. Now I make it decentralized. And Mm -hmm. there are questions around that as well, which I like. Mm -hmm. don't think that we should go into. But if you are interested, we would soon be coming up with this podcast series called Amy Loves to Crypto and we'll go all over it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> My favorite NFT JPEG meme is the one that's like, why do men want to trade JPEGs instead of investing in women-owned businesses? <laughs> <laughs> though and it's so funny <laughs> yeah like the meme closer to that what i like read was like men would re- like would literally buy make-believe jpeg instead of getting therapy <laughs> yes, like, okay. like, like why are you buying a png <laughs> oh my hey, god it's an investment it's worth oh, this okay. much now and it'll be worth that much later uh-huh and that makes sense. I, I, saw, I, I saw Vitalik talking about it, of the most surprising uses of the blockchain that actually work. And he brought mm-hmm. up N- NFTs was the first thing he hopped to. I'm just not anticipating this to be a value. And I actually, I think it's going to pass the test of time as a controlling reprints. I think it really is a mm-hmm. good who printed it first, who printed it when. It does this technology trust that this is the seventh one or the first one or the 45th one. I think this technology actually works for that. It's just mm-hmm. how many types of goods do we need 50 reprints of? And do we need 50 different owners? So it, it makes a lot of sense for celeb. It makes a lot of sense for those mm-hmm. guys. But if you're not a celebrity, do you think 50 people are going to want to hold a JPEG and prove that they're the 50th JPEG print of your design? Like your design better be good. That better be a good damn image that 50 other people want to, because it's 50 people have to hold it. And then it's like 500 people want to have to bid on it so that the 50 people could want sell it at some point and keep the value going. David, I need magical unicorn number seven. If that's true, it's true. And that means that you get these $69 million bids and $100 million bids of the asset because there are millions of people that saying, I want the first one. My daughter wants to go to school first every day. It doesn't matter if she's first. No, but it's the thing to her. It matters. It's like winning that moment. And at some level, venture capitals and investors are a little bit like children collecting rocks on the playground. Mm -hmm. And that's if you have a rock that the other three want and they have rocks that they think are worse, they're going to try and get the better rock. So this proves (laughs) that the rock is slightly better because it was printed first by someone who's a better printer. Yeah. Or who was just first to, to get there. (laughs) <laughs> like what are your thoughts when people say that 
at least uh, and like some NFTs or some art pieces are used for money laundering. Like I had, let's say, sixty-nine million dollars. I would say that's not new to NFTs. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, art sure. has always been like a way you could just put any number in there and you could move the money. And they're like, trust me, it's worth it. Someone else was bidding one less. The other money launderer. So I don't. I think NFTs maybe have made it a little easier, just like Bitcoin made it easier for Silk Road and drugs to sell and all that. But I think money and art laundering have been connected as long as people have been paying large sums of money for art. Exactly, and the point here is that Bitcoin was already very anonymous, and now when you buy NFTs using Bitcoin, like it's laundering on a second layer, like. Uh, layer two money laundering. If you get blockchain jokes, <laughs> like nope. In that <laughs> you will. After I will. After Amy <laughs> learns crypto, I will. Like search for the word like layer two blockchain, and you will find like what that joke was about. So basically, like there's the blockchain layer, and then all of these ICOs, like they are called layer twos. Yep. So this, these transactions, all of them, like. Layer two money laundering. <laughs> All right, PC Mag's definition: a blockchain that confirms transactions faster than a major blockchain what? network. Layer two chains are often designed to handle small transactions with lower fees. So they're really going on the practice side as the definition, and not the, I guess, money raising side. The first line is wrong. The second one is right. <laughs> like PC Mag, Mag, get your get your act together. <laughs> So the first line, yeah, why would it be faster as the defining characteristic of the second layer? That's untrue. This is the number one hit for the definition in Google. All right, sentence two, which we believe to be correct, is layer two chains are often designed to handle small transactions, micropayments with lower fees or no fees, as well as to reduce traffic on the main mm. network. You could say lower fees, no fees, or they've built a community of people willing to pay higher fees. <laughs> That's probably actually the most popular layer two solution <laughs> because then they can pay the fee to the main blockchain and then come to the other side and have a higher fee for their community to do whatever they're doing. Ah, oh, sweet. I was on here for 15 seconds. I got the overlay for my free copy of the digital. All I have to do is enter my email to continue reading. To sell your soul. Here's where the X button for the browser is, guys. All right. Do we have any favorite products in your daily lives that you would like to give a shout out to? Okay. So I've been on a little bit of a shopping spree for my tech because hello, everybody. I will be traveling for the next few months and podcasting abroad. So I have invested in some traveling podcast stuff and I have decided that I'm going to corner the market on being an abroad podcaster. So watch out world. I'm going to do all of these guides and different tech reviews and things like that for people who want to podcast abroad. Cool. I think you should definitely take your equipment onto the streets and uh, see who's willing to talk to you. Right? That's a great mm-hmm. idea. Okay. Nice. What about, what about you, Atta? Oh. Okay. I can go next. Like I have a special shout out for all of these 2000 to 4000 to be nominees of the Noonies. Like best mm-hmm. wishes to all of you guys. And hopefully at least 200 of you win. And we would have special prizes for all of you. 
So shout out to all of you guys. You might not know who you are, but soon you will. Soon you triumphant will. return of the Noonies, which is our annual voting for stuff like top tech YouTuber and software testing writer of the year. Blogger of the year. Exciting. I don't know if I have any shout outs of the week. I guess I would say we had our first snow here in Colorado and I will show you my shovel. The shovel, I forget what it's called. I bought it on Amazon and now oh. it's available at every Walmart in America. So I got it like two years ago. And the main point of this device is it has a second uh, handle uh -huh. at the top. Your back. Yeah, it's way easier on your back. Mm -hmm. I can probably mm -hmm. shovel twice as mount, twice the amount of snow with it. Or, so it's, what uh, a life hack. Okay. It's more Hello. than a life hack. This company blew up and they were basically Amazon exclusive. And then they went through Walmart and everything. And this little second lever on the shovel is this is like, it's, it's hundreds of millions of dollars. This little thing right here. <laughs> it's always laughing, but idea. like you it's have clearly probably never had to shovel lever. snow. Like you probably never <laughs> had to shovel feet of snow. Bad. I will say the global warming situation may not be great till the long-term oh, yes, prospects. Yes, that's true. Um, that's true. Maybe also don't invest the into the like, company. The second handle, I don't know how effective their patents can be. Like, <laughs> can you really block anyone else from putting a second handle on a shovel unless it's by uh, Snow Joe, I guess is the company. Mm -hmm. um, so that's my physical product of the week. All right. I'm nice. here for that. My digital product of the week, I don't have one right now. I don't want to tell you. I, don't, I have one. I don't want to say it. It's how I've been okay. reading afternoon. I'll preview it for anyone that makes it to this point in the YouTube video <gasps> like an idiot. It's the way to access our whole library. Mm. Anyway, I don't want to say too much. I've already said too much. All right, guys. Should we head out and get back to work and type and what have you? Did we record hey. this? Yeah, yeah, we did. Yeah. Don't worry. It was good. It was good. Sweet. Was good. All right. <laughs> <laughs> this has been the Hacker Noon podcast. I'm the founder, David Smook, with our podcast host, Amy Tom, and our VP business development and blockchain editor slash retired Dennis Utsav. Let's all give everyone, Amy, a big safe travels and follow Hacker Noon on the internet. Yes. Goodbye. Peace. Afternoon podcast.